introduced our 2020 focus, and it's the word forward. Forward. And uh, we have been, as a church, absolutely uh, moving in the right direction. But with this particular focus in this year, what we have to realize is that when the bills are being paid, when our, when our missionaries are being supported, when the pews from Sunday to Sunday are relatively full, there's a temptation to believe that our job's done, that we've arrived, that we are succeeding in the areas that we need to succeed in. But, but the, the, the goals that Jesus laid before us were not to be able to pay the bills and uh, fill up a building. There's two, two primary goals, as I see in the New Testament, that our Lord Jesus gives us. And the first one, uh, Matthew 28, it's the goal to reach the nations. Uh, he says, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. And then he says to his disciples, which includes us, go and make disciples of all the nations. And that's a, that's a huge goal that is laid in front of us by the Lord Jesus is to take this good news that we've sang about this morning and to share it with all the nations of the world. Man, we had a tremendous missions month. January was so rich and full with, with missions and this goal that's set in front of us. And it has been a great joy of mine to see this church over the last four or five years. It, it's heart for missions really begin to beat again. And, and that blood flowing through this congregation. This year we set a goal to grow our missions program by about $400 a month. Uh, we budget monthly for that program because we support our missionaries monthly. And so last year uh, the commitment goal was about $1,800 and so we added about $400 to that and so the goal was set $2,250 was the commitment level we wanted to get to and we wanted to be able to take on a couple new missions partners with that. The Longs being one of those and then just see what the Lord does and we've had other missionaries that have come through in the past and others that are calling and desiring to partner with churches. And so we had the goal of $2,250, and as of last week, this church committed uh, to $2,750, uh, $500 above that goal. And I, I tell you what, <laughs> I'm like a, a kid in a candy store when I look at that and think, what, what can God do through this church in 2020 and beyond as we're supporting missionaries and sending people around the world? And so uh, let's, just, let's just pause for a moment. Let's just thank God for that, that is miraculous, that is incredible. Father, we come before you, and as, as we already have this morning, just rejoicing in who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, we have to realize that it's not about us, and I so appreciate Tori's comments this morning that, Lord, we, we move through this week and so often don't even recognize your work around us. We become so self-focused, but Sundays are a great day for us to reflect. And Lord, we just pause for a moment here to rejoice in 2750 committed to missions. And that's not to pat ourselves on the back. Lord, we're, we're coming to you saying thank you for letting us be a part of this. And please give us wisdom as we make decisions as to who we will partner with. 
Lord, what parts of the world does this church need to connect the gospel to? What peoples? And I pray that we would continue to have that heart. You would continue to grow us in that particular area as we move forward. We thank you for it. We give you praise in Jesus' name. The second goal is also introduced in Matthew 28, interestingly enough, because Jesus goes on and he says, I want you to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And that comes with the promise tagged on the end that I don't want to ignore. I'm with you to the end. I'm with you to the end. How encouraging that would have been for the, the disciples. Jesus was about to go back with the Father, but he says, I'm with you to the end. He's with us in this process. To teach the disciples all of the things that the Lord has commanded us. This particular goal, as far as I can tell and as I, I look at the New Testament, this seems to be this greater goal that's laid in front of us. The goal that we introduced last week, Philippians chapter 3, that, that the goal to know Him, to know Christ, to live in that relationship with Him, the aim, the passion, the mission, the purpose of knowing Jesus. That is, to have a deep and intimate, personal growing relationship with Jesus. Last week, we kind of put it this way that, you know, we wake up in the morning and we're thinking about Jesus. We go to bed at night, we're thinking about Jesus. And then all throughout the day, we're thinking of Christ. When circumstances arise that are out of our control, Christ is in the forefront of our mind. Our Lord, our Savior, when we're tempted to sin and disobey, Christ comes to mind. Because we know him. For the sake of review, I'd like to go back to Philippians chapter 3 and read a few of those verses today. So if you have your Bible, if you turn there with me, Philippians chapter 3, I want to read, starting in verse 7 this time, we won't read the full chapter, but Philippians chapter 3 verse 7, here's what Paul says, whatever gain I had, speaking of his past experiences in religion and life, whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and here it is, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And let those of us who are mature think this way. And if 
in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. And so we see again in this text the passion of Paul to move forward. He wants to move forward in knowing Jesus, in following Jesus, in being conformed to the image of Jesus. And, and many of you, that's the end game. That's the end game of the gospel. The, the end game of the gospel isn't that, hey, I get to go to heaven now. No, it's that we will be glorified. That, that we will be uh, renewed what was once in creation, Adam and Eve created to walk with the Lord in the garden, will be restored. It's why Christ came, the completion of our salvation. Paul puts it this way, that we're being transformed from one form of glory to another form of glory. It's the idea that we're growing in holiness, becoming more and more like Jesus every day as we move forward in this life. But as was mentioned last week, some of us struggle here. Well, I, I guess all of us struggle here. Because there's things that hold us back from that. There's things that, that weigh us down from moving forward. And we went through that list. If you weren't able to listen last week, I encourage you, uh, get online, find the time to do that. Uh, because it, it's sometimes our past that holds us back. Uh, our past people that have hurt us, an unwillingness to forgive, an unwillingness to trust in God's plan. Sometimes it's fear that holds us back. We're just afraid to take those steps. We're afraid to give up the things that we enjoy so much. Sometimes it's bad theology. Sometimes it's sin. It's distractions that keep us from pursuing Christ. And I, I do pray, and I've prayed this week, that many have felt the chains of those weights loosen this week. As, as commitments were made, as you have been made aware, last week was about that commitment to trust. It was about a commitment maybe to forgive and confess, repent, redirect. So, so what's next? Well, we want to be more intentional. We want to be more intentional about moving forward and following Jesus. And so there's a few particular challenges that I want to present today and next week as well. And as we get started, some of you are going to be tempted to say, I've heard all this before. <laughs> and the truth is, you have heard many of these things before. And, and the reason is, the Christian life, following Jesus, is not complicated. Our sin complicates it. We complicate it. But, but it is relatively simple, the things that Jesus puts in front of us to do. Those disciplines that need to be uh, ingrained into our lives to help us in this process. So let's start with this one. We move forward by digging into the Scriptures. Move forward by digging into the Scriptures. This is a challenge that we actually issued uh, back in December. Uh, without the weight of this, this focus of forward behind it, we said, as we do every year, if you don't have a Bible reading plan, then please Try to follow the Meadowview Bible reading plan, which, which is relatively simple this year. It's one chapter from the New Testament and a portion from the Old Testament on every weekday. That's it. That's the Bible reading plan that's laid in front of us. And, and the plan is important because, uh, said this before, if you don't have a plan, it won't work. It won't. I can assure you that it won't. Uh, because even if you're reading in places, there's, there's a lack of consistency. 
There's a lack of pattern, and it's a struggle for you. You need to find a plan. Plans matter. But I'd like to take a step back and ask this question this morning. Why is Scripture so important? So, Pastor, you're saying that the first thing on your list, if we're going to know Jesus and move forward in that, we need to dig into the Scripture. Why is it so important? Because that's where we go to learn about Jesus. It's where he's at. It's where we go in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and we read about his life. We read about how he interacted with people. We read about what he accomplished for us on the cross in the empty tomb. As a matter of fact, John 5.39 is a great text. Jesus was in one of his famous arguments with the religious leaders. And the accusation was uh, that he's claiming to be the Messiah. He's claiming to be the Christ. And Jesus comes at them with this statement. He says, you, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And they did. They memorized the scriptures. They knew the entirety of the law and the prophets. And Jesus says, you search it looking for eternal life. And notice what he says next. And it is they, it is the scriptures that bear witness about me. That's a profound statement. Jesus says, from cover to cover, this book is about one thing, me. This book bears witness of me. From Genesis to Revelation, Old Testament, New Testament-like, reveal to us the, the life, the nature, the character of Jesus, the Lord that we claim to follow. In Paul's second letter to Timothy, he, he further explains the important role of Scripture. I'm going to ask you to turn here with me on this one. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want you to see this. 2 Timothy 3. I'm going to start in verse 16. Paul says this, all Scripture, all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be perfect or complete and equipped for every good work. As far as I've found, there's not a greater passage that, that informs us as to the, the power, the necessity of God's Word in our life. Even in that statement, God's Word. You think about just as you, as you live this life, whose words matter the most to you? It may be the, 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 a spouse. It may be uh, one of your parents. It may be a boss. It may be a celebrity that you follow on social media. We're talking about God's word, breathed out by him for the intent and purpose to make us perfect and complete, to make us like Christ, equipping us to every good work. The scriptures are necessary to know Jesus and they are necessary to help us grow in living like Jesus and they are also necessary if we are going to share Jesus 
with other people who need hope. And so moving forward, all of us have to commit to to dig into the scriptures. This weekly gathering is not enough. It it cannot be enough to sustain you. Imagine if you decided, I'm going to eat one meal a week, Sunday lunch, that's it. And then I'm not going to eat anything for the rest of the week. That would be very unhealthy. That would be very unproductive for you. The same is true from a spiritual sense. If you come here on a Sunday and this 30 to 50 minutes of of teaching is what you get from the Word that week, it's not enough. You are spiritually unhealthy. You are spiritually unfit. We have to dig into the Word. Many followers of Jesus are what uh, Steve Farrar in one of his books calls spiritually anorexic. You know what anorexia is? Anorexia is this uh, aversion to food for whatever reason. I, I, don't, I don't want to eat it. And he says many Christians are like that. We have an anorexia against the Word of God. We don't want to partake of it. He goes on to describe their bulimic cousins, those who will listen to the Word, but they immediately throw it up because they don't want to do it. They don't want to live it out. Many of us struggle in those areas. There's one more passage that I want us to consider in this topic, and that's Hebrews chapter 5, and I'm going to ask you to turn there with me as well. Hebrews 5. I used to go to this passage quite a bit. The Spirit brought it to mind as I was considering these things this week, and uh, it's quite challenging, and quite challenging for me as well to read again. The author of Hebrews in verse 11, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, notice how he starts. He says, about this we have much to say. Well, about what? He's been talking about Christ. The whole of the book, the whole of the letter is about how Christ is greater than the law. Christ is greater than the sacrificial system. Christ is greater than Moses. Christ is greater than all of these things. And so he has more that he wants to communicate about Christ But why doesn't he? Notice what he says. About Christ we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. For though by the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that someone teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. It's quite convicting, isn't it? What he's saying is you've been following Christ for long enough that you should be teaching. You should have the ribeye in front of you, but you're still sucking on the milk. You're still unskilled in the word of righteousness. The the challenge this year is that we would all take steps and move forward. I'm not saying by this time next year, I want every one of you to be able to stand up here and teach. That's not the point or to, to arrive at a point where you've mastered everything. None of us are going to get there. But, but the challenge here in Hebrews is that we would grow in our understanding of who Jesus is 
and our understanding of the word that's laid in front of us. That's the challenge we have in front of us. And so as we move forward in 2020, I want to give you just a few opportunities to think about that will help in this process. Get in the word for yourself. As we've already said, there's no greater place for you to engage the word of God than Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, in your own home, in your car, uh, at work, on a break, wherever you are, but to get in the word of God, find a plan and begin to read it. Begin to read it. Involve yourself in, in some of the studies that are offered here. Uh, we have right now about eight weeks left in a, on a Wednesday night study. We've missed two of those weeks already because of weather. So you're not behind at all. But on Wednesdays, we, we come together and we dig into the Word of God. And we have great discussion and opportunities for questions to be asked. Our young adult ministry is doing a very similar thing every Wednesday night, actually meeting tonight at 5 at the Mastins, since my house is dealing with the plague. But we're digging into the Word of God. We're being challenged to move forward. Get your kids engaged in Awana clubs. Make sure your kids are getting here for Thrive. If you've never had opportunity, parents, to sit and, and listen to what your kids are learning in Awana, uh, or to sit and listen to what your kids are learning in Thrive, I challenge you to do it. I love to sit back here, stand in the back, and just listen to the theology and the, the biblical teaching that Josh is giving our, our youth. They're being fed richly. They're gaining understanding of God's word. And I challenge you, listen to those things. Get your kids engaged in those things. Join us for a going deeper study. This is just something new that we're doing this year where we're just digging into the theology and the deepness of the word. As a matter of fact, we spent probably two hours talking about 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 and the, 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 the theology that surrounds that last month. We're going to be digging into those things again on Friday, February 21st, 6 to 9, down in the basement. Anybody's welcome to come. Just sit. You don't have to come for the whole time. You can just come for an hour and just sit and listen, discuss. This year, I'm doing a bit of a, a pastor's book reading club kind of a thing. I don't know that that's what we're calling it, but that seems a little... I don't know. I don't like that. Uh, but um, throughout the year, there's going to be these challenges I'm going to lay out. Say, hey, read this book. I'm going to be reading this book. Let's interact with it. You may have questions. Not going to be anything formal where we come together. Uh, the next one that we're doing, we did the missions book in the month of January. The next one we're doing is my favorite book uh, outside of the Bible, Living the Cross-Centered Life by C.J. Mahaney. It's one that we give away to almost every visitor that comes here. And we're going to be doing that in the month of March just in preparation as we think about uh, the coming of Passion Week, Good Friday, and Easter. It's rich with the gospel, life-changing with the gospel. Get together. This one's pretty easy. Just invite another couple from the church or another person from the church over. And just say, hey, let's, let's eat some dinner. You don't even have to do that if you want, but let's say, hey, let's read 1 Peter. Let's just read it. You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to break it down. Just read the Word of God with other people. I also hope that this fall we're going to offer another Knowing Him course, which is more of a, uh, a, a deliberate study uh, through who is man, who is God, what is the Bible, all of those cornerstones of systematic theology. And that's something that many of you have participated in in the past. 
Uh, but uh, we'll have more to say about that. But getting into the Word is vital. But it's also not enough. There's more that needs to happen. It, it, it honestly, if we're in the Word and the Word alone, it's a futile task unless the Holy Spirit works. Unless the Holy Spirit accompanies the reading and the study of the Word. And that leads to the second challenge. Moving forward by the power of the Holy Spirit. How does that happen? How is it that we, we tap into the power of the Holy Spirit? I'm reminded of this story in Mark chapter 9. Jesus is up on what we know as the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And uh, they're having quite the experience. Well, at the base of the mountain, there's a village, and the people begin to bring their sick, their hurting, to the other disciples who are there waiting for Jesus, Peter, James, and John to return. And they're healing. And they're interacting with the people. They're doing the thing that, that Jesus had commissioned them to do. But there's a father who brings his son who is perplexed with what seems to be some sort of seizures that are uh, demon-imposed. And sometimes he throws himself in the fire, sometimes he throws himself in the water, and it's, it's terrible. And he asks the disciples, please, can you help my son? And they attempt to bring healing, and they're, they're unsuccessful. Well, Jesus comes back down from the mountain, and the father approaches Jesus and says, can you heal my son? Your disciples weren't able to. And Jesus makes some remark about their faithlessness, and he heals him. And the disciples are curious. Why couldn't we do it? What prohibited us from doing this incredible miracle? We did these other things. And Jesus says something quite profound that every time I read it just challenges me more and more. This kind only comes by much prayer. <laughs> much prayer. The question then is how do we engage, encounter, activate the power of the Spirit? Prayer. Much prayer. For those of you who have been following Meadowview's reading plan, uh, we've been in the book of Acts for the last couple of weeks. And that's what's been on display time and time again. Very evident in the book of Acts is that when the church prays, the Spirit moves. So anytime you see the Spirit moving, there's, a, there, there's something that happened prior to that where the church began to pray inquiring of God. And I would love to, to, to highlight the entire history of that, but I just want to go to one particular text with you. Acts chapter 4. Acts 4. I want you to see one example of what I'm saying here. Acts chapter 4. And let's just start in verse 23. So, so John and Peter have been arrested. They've been reprimanded uh, by the religious leaders. And it says in verse 23, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And they basically said this to him, Peter, John, 
all of you followers of Jesus, shut your mouths. Stop talking about Jesus. And so they come and they report this. And so when they heard it, when the church hears it, they lifted up their voice together to God. And they said, here's their prayer. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, I've, I've heard this explained. We're going to read on in a moment. Okay, this is Acts. This is weird stuff. But the word that's used here is they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the command that we have in relation to the Holy Spirit. This isn't some extraordinary thing beyond what we're required. We are, we are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. And in this moment, they're filled with the Spirit. And what's the, what's the result? They speak the Word of God with boldness. And notice verse 32, now the full number of those who believe were of one heart and soul. They're in unity. And no one said, no one said that any of the things that belonged to them was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving the testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And I love this line, and great grace was upon them all. Great grace was upon them all. When they needed wisdom, what did they do? They prayed. When they needed boldness, what did they do? They prayed. What was the result of that prayer? It was power. It was this great grace. It was the boldness that they had asked for. And one of the things that I want you to notice here, what did they pray? They prayed scripture. Sometimes we struggle with prayer because we say, I just don't know what to pray. Pray scripture. Pray back to God what he said to you, what he's commanding you to do. That's what they're doing right here. Praying it back. But, but here's, here's this amazing thing. So we go to the book of Acts and we see the example of, man, they pray and the spirit moves. That's been our history for the last few years here, hasn't it? When we started getting prayer right, and I'm not saying we've arrived, but when we started getting prayer right, the Spirit started to move. Lives began to be changed. The Word of God became more bold in its proclamation. We desperately need the Spirit to give us wisdom, Meadowview. As we strive to follow Jesus in obedience, we need wisdom. We desperately need the Spirit to give us power to overcome sin. 
It's tugging at us. It's holding us back from moving forward and following Jesus. And we need the Spirit's power. We desperately need the Spirit to, to burden our hearts for the hopeless that are all around us in this community, the hopeless that are all over this globe. We're not going to conjure up a compassion for them on our own. The only compassion we conjure up on our own is for ourselves. We need the Spirit to burden us for those things. And, and this one just so important to me. We desperately need the Spirit to continue to give us the unity that only He can bring. There's so many ways that Satan wants to rip us apart as a church. But the one way we can remain unified it's by the Spirit of God helping us to focus on the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to pray for those things. So moving forward, I want to give you another list of opportunities and challenges, some things that you can think about. Presently, our Wednesday nights include a solid time of corporate prayer. We're going to continue that as long as we will continue Wednesday nights. It's called PBS, Prayer Bible Study. Because we want that aspect of corporate prayer because we recognize we need that. Sunday mornings don't always provide that opportunity. But on Wednesday nights, we can come together and we can accomplish that. It's right in the middle of the week, too, which comes in quite handy, as many of you well know. Regularly scheduled prayer meetings. Men, we have a prayer meeting here every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. Ladies, there's a prayer meeting on Thursdays here at 4 o'clock. And anybody's welcome to come and participate in that. Uh, I'll tell you, last week, one of the men, uh, he, he hadn't been for a little while, and he, he came on Sunday morning and prayed with us, and he says, I don't know why I, I, I miss this. You see, is this, this isn't just a good way for me to start a Sunday. This is a good way for me to start a week. He just spoke to the fact that it, it sets the tone for his week. And so, men, join us, 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings. One of the ways that I think is the most simple is just truly engaging your heart, your mind, while we're singing. It's a prayer. It's not performance. It's prayer. And our musicians do such a great job in leading us in those things. But these, these words we're singing are meant to be prayers, that we're praying, praises, petitions, all the above as we just recognize and we get to do that corporately. And it sounds beautiful as well. So when you're singing in your car, it's not just performance, it's prayer. When you're home singing in the shower, it's not just performance, it's prayer. Think about it. Change the way you're thinking about those aspects. Our ask nights, we've got a few scheduled. We, we just had our first one a couple weeks ago. And my takeaway was it was so good. It was good for me. I don't know if that was everybody else's takeaway, but I so enjoyed that time together. And I challenge you, be a part of those ask nights. Our next one is scheduled for April the 5th. Uh, we've got a big day that day. That's Palm Sunday. We're going to have a meal after the service. We're going to have a want to thrive that night, and we're going to have our ass service that evening. How about just getting together with a few others to pray? 
Go back to that idea of just having some people over, opening up God's word. Maybe just having some people over just so you can focus on some prayer. One of the things that we've seen um, some growth in, there's plenty more room, is, is even prayer amidst conversations here. Because what's the typical in church, in the American church? As you get in a conversation with somebody on a Sunday morning, how was your week? And, and maybe it goes a little deep to where, ah, it, it was a struggle. I was struggling with this situation that happened at, at work or this is going on at home. And, and what we typically do in any of that conversation is say, I'm going to pray for you this week. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. How about you just say, can I pray with you right now? And we've seen that. We've seen growth in that area. But there's so much more that can be done. Utilizing those moments, praying for one another. I would love to walk in here on a Sunday morning or after we dismiss on a Sunday and just see people randomly praying all over the auditorium for each other. That's what it's meant to be. The Word of God and the Spirit of God engaged by prayer are the two foundational things that we cannot miss. If we get those wrong, everything else will be wrong. We have to get them right. It's why there are two that we continue to focus on, those two disciplines. As I was preparing this, there was a, a text that came to my mind, uh, something we, we preached years ago in what was called our Do or Die series, that many of you just call the Dying Church series. But it was from Ezekiel 37. And it's this tremendous prophetic moment that Ezekiel has. And he's taken out to this valley and the first thing he notices is it's just full of dry bones. Very dry bones, it says. These bones have not seen life in a long time. And God speaks to him, Yahweh speaks to him and says, Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy to these bones the word of the Lord. And he does. And the bones get up <laughs> and they start to come together. And he says, I want you to prophesy the breath of God, the spirit of God. And when the spirit comes... And the word is there. What happens? This miraculous event. These dry bones come back to life. Flesh is put on them. Breath is entered into them. That's what we're talking about here. In 2020, if you want your relationship to be abundant, if you want to move forward and take those steps forward, it has to include digging into the word of God. And it has to include the power of the Holy Spirit in prayer. Those are two disciplines, and I'm going to use that word disciplines because it does require us to be disciplined. I, uh, some of you saw this, and, and I, I'm just thinking this is an interesting point to put it in. Um, our own Savannah uh, won a basketball game yesterday for Republic with about a second left on the clock, um, somewhere around there. She dropped a three from about five feet beyond the three-point line, and uh, if you get online, there's some great pictures. I love the one that David Brazil took of her face at that moment from the baseline. And, and I loved watching that video, and I watched it probably five times from these different angles. I was showing it to my kids, because uh, it's just one of those glory moments in a game. But I was reminded of other videos that her dad posted two years ago, three years ago, of her at the gym with her dad at five o'clock in the morning, shooting. Five o'clock in the morning, just taking shot after shot, 
for 30 minutes, then she has to go home, get ready, go to school. A clutch shot like that, with a couple seconds left on the clock, doesn't just happen. There's discipline that goes into that. And for us, that's the way living the Christian life is. If we can get the word and prayer right, those disciplines, not in a habitual pattern, but just in gaining Jesus, then in those clutch moments of life, we're going to succeed. We're going to take those steps forward. And brethren, let me mention a couple other things. We want to move forward in our community outreach, in our evangelism, in our love for for the the community that we live in that God's placed us in. And we have to grow in this area. We We have a long way to go. We have grown a little bit. We have a Make Him Known course coming up this fall. Another one that just is going to help us to be more comfortable in having conversations about Jesus with the people around us. I'm excited about that. This year, I definitely want us to form what what we've called in the past a community outreach team, just a group of people that have a burden to, to do what we can to reach this community with the gospel of Christ. And so, I'm just going to ask you to prayerfully consider, some of you may already have a burden for that. You may say, that's something I want to be a part of. But I'm going to ask all of you to pray and ask, God, is this something you want me to be a part of? Is this a group that I need to invest in so that we can do better? And one more challenge for you today, and that's this. Moving forward in our families in 2020. What can you do to help your family grow in their relationship with Jesus this year? What can you do? What are some things that maybe you need to stop doing Some of those things that need to be put behind. What are some of those things that you need to start doing and instituting in your family so that not only you, but but your family can move forward? In just a couple of weeks, the Chambers are hosting a marriage get-together at their home, February 29th. Four to eight. We're going to have food, we're going to have some fellowship, and we're going to dig into God's Word a little bit. We're going to just have opportunity for you to be challenged in some ways to strengthen your marriage. This is one of the first places Satan's going to attack. He wants to rip apart marriages in this room. He wants to destroy family units. And we've got to be ready for that. We've got to be vigilant. This fall we're going to offer another extensive parenting seminar, and so I hope you'll watch for that, you'll see that, mark those dates off. Husbands, wives, parents, whatever role you're fulfilling, maybe just grab a book that challenges you to be a better husband, to be a better wife, to be a better parent. We've got a ton of resources back here in this room. If you want something specific, come to me. I'll give you a title. I'll put a book in your hand that'll challenge you to grow in those particular areas. Maybe find somebody else that you can read that with. Find another husband that you can read with and challenge each other and hold each other to account to grow, to love your wife more, more and more like Jesus loves the church. Pray together, read the word together. I get this is a lot to take in. This isn't just the word. This is all sorts of announcements that we're making and things that are coming up this year and ways that we're going to help support you. 
And also realize my limitations in expressing the importance of, of these things. And, and the limitation that I can't force you into these things. Nor do I want to force you or manipulate you or twist your arm. I struggle a great deal with many of the things that we've talked about this morning. But as your pastor, um, as someone who, who loves you, as someone who truly believes that this book, that the engagement of the Spirit, that those are the answers, those are the disciplines. As someone who's given the responsibility to watch for your souls, Oh, I so strongly encourage you to consider, consider these things in a way that maybe you haven't considered them before. Consider joining me and some others this Wednesday night. And say, you know what, I'm gonna give this a shot. I wanna, I wanna see what this is about. We'll give this, this eight week period, see what happens, see what the Lord does in my life. I beg you to consider um, engaging your, your, your kids in Awana, thrive all across the board, just getting them getting engaged in prayer times, whatever those things may be. We're striving to forget what's behind and press forward to what's ahead. And that's more of Jesus. More of Jesus in 2020. And these are the practical ways that we get there.